As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Sports professor Rick Harrell, welcome to Beyond the Scoreboard, the show that goes way beyond the $1.3 trillion business of sports, marketing, deal-making, news, commentary, politics, everything that you could hope for with a Super Bowl that just ended up with a $500 million economic impact, heading to the NBA All-Star Game, collective bargaining, whole host of business issues that mean what? Money, money, and more money. We'll start with some basketball things, and then we'll deal with the NFL after the Super Bowl. First of all, the NBA All-Star Game, as we know, is ready to hit Chicago. Major economic upside for the league and the Windy City. The All-Star break, always a beehive of business activity. From the NBA Tech Summit to NBA CARES activations throughout the host city, NBA Players Association and Nike also announced the 2020 All-Star uniforms will pay tribute to the late Kobe Bryant, as well as his daughter Gianna, and seven others who died in that helicopter accident. The 2020 NBA All-Star Game features Team LeBron wearing the number two, Team Giannis the number 24, and all wearing jersey patches displaying nine stars commemorating those who died. The All-Star Game takes place on February 16 at Chicago United Center. Kobe, obviously front and center at Sunday's Academy of Awards. He won his Oscar for Dear Basketball in 2018, but memorialized as an annual tribute to artists and artisans who have passed nominees and presenters, used the occasion to remember him and others, predominantly him. The first Kobe Bryant tribute of the night came from the acceptance speech for the best animated short film, Hair Love. This award is dedicated to Kobe Bryant, said director Matthew Cherry, and a public memorial for Bryant and the others who lost their lives, set for February 24 at the Staples Center, the site of many, many of his triumphs. It's a big time for basketball, but obviously the big issue to the NBA All-Star Game, we have a very interesting perspective on community and the good that it does. The Alonzo Mourning Family Foundation, created by the man who led the heat for so many years, but also he has talked about facilities, he's talked about community development, the Overtown area of Miami. Jessica Myers, who basically runs the development of his programs and is a great spokesperson for philanthropy and the NBA, caught up with her and Alonzo at Super Bowl week at a golf tournament in South Florida. But the issues that he brings up and she brings up are incredibly relevant, especially placed before the NBA All-Star Game in Chicago. I give you Jessica Myers and the Alonzo Morning Family Foundation. Today, all about Super Bowl-related philanthropy and the platform that it gives to even be bigger and broader and louder. Jessica Myers, the Director of Special Events for the 
Morning Family Foundation. Did I get that right? Yes, sir, you did. And I will say that's important because we understand the good work that Alonzo Morning does. We want to get the title right to begin with. So give us the quick Jessica elevator speech about Alonzo's commitment to philanthropy and the Family Foundation. Oh, absolutely. So Alonzo Mourning for over 25 years, um, especially during his um, time with the NBA, he and his family have dedicated so much time and effort um, in philanthropic work in the Miami community. He is now servicing 600 uh, students and their families in holistic programming and also educational services at the Overtown News Center. Uh, the Morning Family Foundation provides funding to both of its programs. Those programs are the Overtown Youth Center and also Honey Shine, which was incorporated by his wife, Tracy Wilson Morning. Uh, that program services uh, girls between the ages of eight and 18 and she produces a 100% graduation rate. And also the Overtown Youth Center produces a 100% graduation rate, where those kids who are at risk youth um, graduate and they go into society being productive citizens. So yeah, Alonzo was obviously all world at Georgetown. And, and then uh, we in South Florida grew up with him with the heat. Yes. And he made a tremendous impact on the court how does he feel about leveraging his on-the-court status and fame? Um, and the power of sports helps him reach a lot of at-risk youths and people who he might not otherwise reach. So talk a little bit about his mentality going into that. Well, his mentality is getting the community involved and seeing that just because you're an athlete and you're, you know, you're put on a pedestal, you can still humble yourself bring yourself back to your beginnings and be able to relate to the people that you're trying to service. So he usually comes in with an approach to um, to his, his service to get more and more people involved by partnerships, sponsorships, and donors. And using his, his star power to do that. And he's done a tremendous job with the 25 years that they've been servicing the community. We all understand that it is fashionable, and I mean this with respect, for athletes to hook onto foundations these days because you kind of have to. It's easier for those of us in the business to separate those that are really committed to it from those that kind of just go through the motions. What do you think are the important ingredients to success in creating a really viable, sustaining foundation? Oh, wow. You definitely have to have a great support system, your board of directors, who have been amazing throughout the years to support Alonzo and his vision. We're about to open a $15 million uh, new facility for the Overtown Youth Centers to now service 3,000 kids. So you can tell that with his support system, the board of directors, donors, sponsors, and also partnerships within the community, we've come a long way and we still have a long way to go. So I definitely think he has made great strides to get to his goal. The idea of corporations being involved in supporting philanthropy, there are companies that again will do it because it's fashionable and others that see a real return. Used to be a lot of people would end up doing it because it would get visibility and exposure. But now I think corporations really believe that it is a tangible, important, not only obligation, but there's a direct tracing to revenue because of that. Talk about the evolution of that. So I think um, from an event side, 
uh, more and more corporations are doing more programming throughout the year, not just investing in one activity or one activation. They're coming in and they're investing their time, their efforts and their resources. One of our major donors, uh, City Furniture, uh, Alonzo and Tracy will identify needs of families who need furniture or apartments and those things that need to be furnished. City Furniture has come in and furnished those apartments. Just like for today, we have our celebrities who come in and Panorama invited them into their condos and City Furniture fully furnished those condos because of the um, partnership and the leverage of both corporations coming in together. So I think when you look at that, it's a year round thing and it continues to evolve and they spend time, they come to the programs, they spend time with the kids, they offer internships. So you have to look at the longevity and not the short-term re short term return. You've been at this for a while? Yes. yes. Uh, give me your history. So uh, I started out in uh, athletics um, with the MEAC. Um, I went on to the Super Bowl, I mean, excuse me, the Orange Bowl Committee. I've worked with the Orange Bowl Committee. I've worked with the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce um, on the Super Bowl Host Committee. Um, and then I've also worked with Morning Family Foundation for over five years. So the bottom line is you have a diverse experience in all aspects of, of how business is done, the corporate, the league, the conference, the Correct. sponsorship level. Correct. You think it's easier today or harder today to get uh, fully funded and and well activated philanthropic efforts, I do. I do. I, I think social media has really turned um, or flipped sponsorship and marketing and branding on its head. Um, social media is very real time and very direct and immediate, and so now our investors and our sponsors want to see a more immediate return. Um, I do think that the longevity, again, comes from them actually leaving the corporate space and coming down to see where their money and their return of investment is going. By the way, we're at a golf tournament, ladies and gentlemen, so that noise was not just a prop. We're actually <laughs> cleaning this place up. We're at Turnberry. We're at Zoe's uh, Family Foundation Golf Tournament. Correct. And uh, that is not a prop. So the other piece I wanted to mention as well is that uh, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, it feels like longer, it's part of the whole effort to bring the heat and put the Overtown Arena together, and now the arena's different. And what's happened is the Heat's won titles. People seem to forget why sports franchises are in communities. Talk a little bit about the benefits of having a major league sports franchise, and for example, what the Heat has done in the community, Alonzo being a correct, part of it. Correct, correct. So Miami is, you have, oh my God, you have the, the, uh, the Panthers, the Florida Panthers, the, uh, the Florida Marlins, you have the uh, Miami Heat, and you see so much activity throughout the course of the year, especially their engagement. They're doing community, fundraising, um, they're, they're going into the schools, they're, they're doing everything from um, doing cheer competitions to doing clinics. And so I think it's, it's a great way of exposing kids to seeing 
also the behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. I know that the Miami Heat have invested in providing internships and tours so they can see the back of the house and not always the front of the house. And I think those are conversations that we have to have with our kids. You don't have to be an athlete to be able to be a part of this wonderful world of sports. And so I learned that um, uh, early on. I spent two years in playing college basketball. I said, this isn't for me. And I, I love the energy that we did for the games and having the t-shirts and the mascot and putting all that together and the, um, the sponsorship ads and rolling those on the jumbo screen. Those are jobs that our kids and our future can have and sports isn't going anywhere. You can reflect back now, go fast forward a couple of days, Super Bowl 54, we're gonna run this next week. What's your sense of how important these couple weeks have been to kind of elevate the awareness of your foundation what you guys are doing oh it's been remarkable especially again it goes back to the relationships uh alonzo with his relationship with the super bowl host committee uh the nfl alumni uh foundation you know making those calls the, the golfers coming out um spending time on the golf course but also fundraising you know this is a fundraising activity People are having a good time, but their dollars are going to so much more and such a much bigger concept than what they can see on the golf course. It's kids 15 minutes from here who are benefiting from them playing golf today. And so today, and I hope other days, Alonzo will continue to be a part of a revolution of athletes who are giving back so much to their community. All right, finally, what is the hardest part of a charity fundraiser's job? <laughs> <laughs> Talking to me. All right, what's the second hardest part of your fundraiser's job? Um, I wouldn't say hardest. The terminology I would like to use is a logistical challenge. There you go. That's well done. You got to run for office. <laughs> <laughs> a logistical challenge. and You mean hurting cats? That yeah. and, and, and hitting birds. <laughs> yeah, hitting birds at the same time. <laughs> and ducking <laughs> from balls. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. No, but I think um, that, you know, the logistical challenges are easy because when you think about the good that's coming out of it, it's never a worry. It's never a stress. You know that the child down the street is gaining from this. And so you work through it. And I think we have a phenomenal team. Alonzo has created a phenomenal team that has kept him through the years, and I am honored to be a part of that team. Well, Jessica Myers, uh, 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 Alonzo Morning, ought to be honored to have you on the team and well, really appreciate you. your time. Thank Rick you. Harrell, speak with you soon. <laughs> a very interesting perspective with the new format and the All-Star Game in Chicago honoring icons. It will be absolutely a very, very big deal. Let's talk about the NFL for a minute, coming off of an incredibly successful Super Bowl 2021, could bring major changes to the entire span of the NFL season. Players Association talking about a preliminary conditional vote to add the 17th game to the regular season could begin as early as 2021, and obviously one less preseason game, which I think everybody would like. The change, by the way, would assist the teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who play a range of different venues without decreasing the number of games in their home market, a major sticking point with owners and front office staffs. Speaking of the Jaguars, they've already made a commitment. They're going to play in London every year, uh, two games. They've played there at least one every year since 2013. And owner Shad Khan 
making a significant offer to buy Wembley Stadium in 2018. Uh, The team has struggled to sell out home games in the past 20 years at TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville. And while the addition of another home game for the Jaguars in London would appear to lean toward franchise permanently relocating, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell remains non-committal on the concept. Let's talk about one other issue regarding football and the Super Bowl. I find this fascinating. What do you do with the losing team's merchandise at the end of the game? Well, the approach is one that's interesting because the demand is highest while the confetti is still falling for winners and for losing. The NFL enlists the services of Good360, a charity experienced in redistributing excess corporate inventory to charitable institutions across the globe. And each year, Good360 and the league begins coordinating their distribution plans several weeks ahead of the playoffs. Right now, the NFL in the process of inventorying all excess 49er championship merchandise at a central undisclosed location. Meanwhile, Good360, working its own merchandise worldwide network of charities, trying to line up the right locale with appropriate merchandise. Several years back, the league provided Good360 with a list of approved countries in Africa, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. And from those countries, Good360 targets the appropriate charities with the clothing for people in need. A really interesting perspective as you see it. Well, football season over, except for the NFL, uh, XFL, which has exceeded expectations the first week. We'll see how it goes week four, week 10, and beyond. Surviving is a victory in this context. Well, how about Daytona? Just in time for the 500, NASCAR announced that Penn National Gaming, the first authorized sports betting provider, the three-year non-exclusive deal gives Penn National the rights to use NASCAR marks and its retail sport books and on the sports betting app it intends to launch in August. The sports book will use NASCAR's official data feed and offer in-race betting. Penn National also announces an extension of its title sponsorship of the Hollywood Casino 400 in Kansas Speedway, where it operates a full-service casino. The most visible aspect of the deal initially will be a free-to-play NASCAR finish line prediction contest offered through an app developed by Penn National and Boom Sports, creator of the popular NBC Sports Predictor app. Launching for the weekly season opening Daytona 500 and available nationwide, the contest will offer a weekly $50,000 prize. The strategic play for both sides is long-term. NASCAR works to increase its share of U.S. sports betting market, dominated by team sports. The bottom line is we're waiting for a successful Daytona 500. With all of the questions about NASCAR, this is incredibly important for them to get off on a good foot. Let's talk about soccer. MLS enjoys labor peace for the next five years. The MLS and Players Association struck an agreement in principle for a new CBA beginning with the upcoming season, 25th season. The agreement addresses key strategic priorities for the league, also retaining the basic player compensation structure that's been the foundation for the growth and stability of Major League Soccer, so says Don Garber. And the new CBA, particularly important, as the MLS adds two new franchises this season, Nashville and Miami, bringing it up to a total of 26 clubs. Well, French soccer champion Paris Saint-Germain opened an academy in Miami worth about $70 million ahead of that team's beginning. No link been announced to David Beckham and the Miami franchise, which makes its MLS debut next month. But the new Paris Saint-Germain Academy will add even more international soccer cachet 
to South Florida and help solidify the fan base. How about this as far as soccer is concerned? We're all interested in women, equality, etc. Dick's Foundation cut across that very quickly. Philanthropy Women Magazine talked about Dick's Foundation announcing a three-year, $5 million sports matter grant to the U.S. Soccer Foundation United for Girls initiative aimed at increasing opportunities for girls and young women benefit from soccer. Since 2014, Dick's and the Dick's Foundation have pledged more than $100 million to support youth sports teams and leagues in need, and their most recent effort is a needed measure to put a spotlight on women's soccer. Really, really good stuff. Now, finally, let's talk about tennis. On the heels of the Australian Open, the match in Africa sets a tennis attendance record and raises $3.5 million for charity. Sella, a crowd of 51,000, attended a Federer-Nadal exhibition match at Cape Town Stadium on Friday, the biggest crowd ever on record for a tennis match, according to the AP. Federer won an exhibition match against Nadal in his first match in his mother country of birth. Almost everything was for Federer that night, with caps and T-shirts with RF logos all across the crowd, welcome home Roger signs being held up. The Match in Africa event featuring Federer, Nadal, Bill Gates, South African comedian and Daily Show host Trevor Noah, raised $3.5 million for the Roger Federer Foundation, which supports early childhood education in Africa. Federer has long stated that he can consider South Africa his second home. Good for Roger, good for the sport, good for philanthropy. Well, that's it for the show this week. We would like to thank uh, Jessica Myers and the Alonzo Morning Foundation to give us some perspective on the heels of the NBA All-Star Game. Next week, another interesting interview in the world of sports business and sports philanthropy. We'd like you to join us once again when we go Beyond the Scoreboard.